Hello, party people, and welcome to You Scared of This. You might remember us from such bonus episodes as Gooflumps, Say Cheese and Barf, and This Ain't Afraid of the Dark, a triple X parody. <laughs> How did you not say, Are You Afraid of This Dick? I, I was, okay, so I had a few other ideas for it, you know. If we were to do, like, not to do, if we were to review an Are You Afraid of the Dark Triple X parody, you got plenty of options there. You got the tale of Apartment 69. <laughs> you have the tale of the loud librarian. And of course. CJ the clown. <laughs> and of course, the tale of the midnight ride. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> not, not the tale of the renegade virus, though. That's, right, that's right. gross. <laughs> No. <laughs> what were we talking about? I don't know, Eli. It's been I'm I'm way out of practice. <laughs> this is You Scared of This, a podcast where two grown-ass men in their 30s watched every single episode of Nickelodeon's hit horror anthology series for kids from the 90s, Are You Afraid of the Dark? And then we talked about it. And then we quit. Oh, boy, we fucking, did we ever. We washed our hands of this whole enterprise and walked away. Oh man. How's that felt? Look, party people, I know we've been gone for a while. It wasn't until we finished reviewing Are You Afraid of the Dark that I realized how much this podcast dominated my life. I'm proud of the work <laughs> Eli and I did on it. You know, I, not to say it would change anything, but it has been a huge burden taken off both of our shoulders, and my shoulders especially since I do all the editing, uh, to not have to do this week in and week out. Which is not to say that we didn't love doing it and that we don't miss it. We just realized how much of our time we dedicated to this. But we we've listened to all the little people out there. We've heard <laughs> your we've heard your pleas. So we're <laughs> so for for a little while now we're back. We're coming back here. Uh, we felt like we had to talk about this, right? Yeah, we're yeah, absolutely. This is we're talking, of course. About something that has nothing to do with Are You Afraid of the Dark? Something but it does that, have something to do with our show, because we mentioned it on several occasions. Countless occasions. I feel like we spent years hyping this up, and it just never came out. Eli, mm-hmm. we are reviewing Rocco's Modern Life Static Cling, which, if you'll recall, was announced way back in 2016. Wow. Officially in August 2016, and finally in August 2019, it has premiered on Netflix. Uh, It's generated a lot of acclaim, it's gotten a lot of buzz, and I figured that, yes, we had to come back and have words about it. And not only that, but we're going to also uh, be having words about a few other things over the course of 2019, such as scary stories. Don't tell him yet, let's save it for the end. Oh, okay, you're right. Anyway, we're back for this one episode. For now, you should just assume it's this one episode and savor it. This is, our, your... this is our reboot special, just like Static Cling. Hold it to your chest. Never let it go. But before we get into that, Dykus, oh, how you been? I don't want to talk about it. Let's just talk about the special. <laughs> no, 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 Dykus. We're going to talk about, I'm we're going to talk about our lives. <laughs> no, we have to record this as quickly as possible. Look, Eli, I know that you and I, of course, we have not spoken since the tale of Crybaby Lane back in December. It's true. <laughs> I've grown a very large beard since then. And I live in a cave. That's, that's actually not entirely untrue. People who actually know us would listen to those, listen to those statements and be like, oh, all right, that tracks. 
So I'm recording this, I, I should mention, I'm recording this in the new You Scared of This Studios with a mm-hmm. new microphone, if the mm-hmm. audio sounds a bit different. And just to give you a sense of place, if I were to open the nearest window, I would see a concrete wall. <laughs> <laughs> Underground. <laughs> if that gives you any indication of, like, the direction my life has gone in in the last few months. So now that we've depressed all of you, maybe we really should just talk about static cling let's talk about unless you want to talk about the new taylor swift album because hey, we can talk about that first i haven't listened to it yet i'm i'm still behind on it oh dykus sorry all right static cling it is let's go let's let's go let's talk about let's first some setup static cling is a direct sequel to the last episode of rocco's modern life which was called future schlock and if you're an astute rocco fan then you'll remember that at the end of that episode rocco's house was launched into space with Rocco, Heifer, and Filbert all aboard. And when we cut back to them in the present, thanks to the help of some help from really, really big man, uh, we learned his nipples that, of the future. His nipples of the future. We learned that they've been floating through space for twenty years. Yeah, they have just been inside of Rocco's house, which somehow like maintains gravity sometimes and always has breathable air. And they've been, I guess, going through the solar system because they mention how many times they've passed Earth. And the only thing they've had to keep them from going completely insane with space madness are VHS tapes, specifically a tape of their favorite show, The Fatheads. Yep, it has all three episodes. (laughs) I don't think The Fatheads had more than three episodes. It has, it only contains three and they that's, that's right it, the vhs tape only had three episodes it's not a series collection box set um <laughs> they don't come out and say this explicitly and i'm glad they don't but it's kind of implied that watching these same three episodes for 20 years has sort of driven rocco and his friends crazy i mean i don't feel like heifer and filbert really have a big difference to their characters throughout this episode. No, but that that's true. It's it, it's more Rocco than than the other two for sure. But it, Rocco, Rocco is, was definitely always a character who was like on the razor's edge and just barely holding it together. And in this, it seems like yeah, the Fatheads was his coping mechanism, and it was the only way that he was like managing to deal with the trials of his reality. It's yeah, it's like this life preserver that's keeping him grounded, which I think is. Great. Uh, we'll talk about that more later, but fantastic. For reasons too stupid to get into, the three of them are finally able to return to Earth. They arrive well, on... Well, it's, it's a good joke. Heifer I... has had Let's... the remote for the rocket stuck to his butt for 20 years, and they didn't know that there's just a button on it that says re-entry. <laughs> that's See, funny. I'm, I'm torn about whether or not that's a good joke. I just appreciate how much of a deus ex machina, like how lazy it is. The laziness is what makes it funny. It's like the scene in the Muppet movie where Fozzie and Kermit meet the Electric Mayhem, and the Electric Mayhem want to know their story, and Kermit's like, Fozzie, we can't bore them, let's just let them read the script. And they leave the script with the Electric Mayhem. (laughs) It's like that. I mean, I guess it's a good joke. I like lazy deus ex machinas. So they come back to Earth. Uh, and in the process of the rocket ship coming back, they inadvertently cause Ed Bighead to make a math mistake on the uh, company financial records at Conglomo. Ed is very successful and happy in his new life, and without knowing it, he's just, because of the boys, sort of thrown everything into upheaval. 
Meanwhile, we get a quick montage of Rocco and his friends exploring and discovering life in the 21st century. If you remember the teaser from a couple of years ago, this is basically it. Uh, we see yeah, them discover. I, I get, love this scene, by the way. We get a montage of them discovering all kinds of 21st century tropes, like you know, Starbucks, I, Starbucks, energy drinks, uh, iPhones, 3D printers. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, low hanging fruit, but it's it, it's still funny. It felt authentically Rocco. Yeah, like when I was watching it, I was asking myself, I was like, isn't this just sort of like schlocky, like a little bit too obvious, and like really sort of lazy, blatant parody of modern life. And then I thought about what the show was in the 90s, and I was like, yeah, this this is, like, what we signed up for. I think it's hilarious that Heffer and Filbert immediately love living in the 21st century. They take to all of this instantly. Yeah. R- Rocco, of course, being neurotic, can't handle it. He's traumatized and runs screaming back into his house where he locks himself inside and is eventually discovered by Mrs. Big Head. The moment where he looks at the camera and says, the 21st century is a very dangerous century. And Mrs. Big Head says, Rocco, honey, who are you talking to? I really liked that. So Mrs. Big Head finds Rocco around the same time Ed returns home and discovers that his life is in shambles. And of course, he is none too pleased to learn that Rocco and his friends are back on Earth. Yeah, I Ed's sort of introduction to the story, we see him go into the office, everyone loves him, he's a big shot, everything is great, without knowing it, he makes a miscalculation. And the next time we see him, he's driving home and singing about how great it's been to be big shot Ed Big Head for the last 20 years, and how nothing can go wrong. Yeah, the we funniest... Get, we get a musical number seemingly out of nowhere. <laughs> Did you like this? I did not. I had kind of a negative reaction to this this song, just because that's not... I'm not a fan of when regular shows turn into musicals. I know Rocco itself did that. I didn't like it then, and I don't care for it here because it seems so out of place. I actually, I totally agree with that, but at the same time really enjoyed the song. It reminded me of Harold Ziedler's singing in Moulin Rouge, especially when they're doing the... Because he's like, like sing-talking? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It sounded like that. Um, there wasn't really anything funny in that scene, except for maybe the moment when he yells at the Boy Scout for helping the old lady across the road. So he, like, tosses the Boy Scout to get him across the road as quickly as he can. And you think he's just going to, like, toss both of them and be incredibly cruel. But then he helps the old lady. He just does it faster <laughs> than the Boy Scout was. And he's angry about it the whole time. That was such a good moment and probably the best part of this song. So Rocco and... Ed now have their own set of problems. Rocco desperately wants to see the Fatheads again, because, again, it's become his 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 constant, mm-hmm. to use some yeah. lost terminology. He needs to see the Fatheads, but Bev tells him that it's been off the air for years, they don't even show reruns anymore, and Ralph, Ralph Bighead, their son who created the show, has mysteriously disappeared. Yeah, and she misses him very much. Meanwhile, Ed is struggling with the fact that he's lost his job, Uh, He is being blamed for the town going bankrupt, and now the unemployment office is going to be built on the land where his home is, so he's only got a couple of days before his house is demolished. This all happens really, really quickly, and I'll point out one funny joke here, too. (laughs) When they're showing the news report about O-Town going under and being bankrupted, and it's showing all of the different businesses, did you see that Boards R Us was shutting down? Boards are us. Yeah, it's a business called Boards Are Us, and they're boarding up their windows and doors. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good gag. I, 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 this, I'll just say this right now. This is a, 
a special that demands multiple viewings. It is so densely packed with jokes, gags, inside references, small things that you can't get in one go. And we'll talk about yeah. that more at the end, but but no, that is a solid joke. <laughs> so uh, Rocco helps Ed realize that the solution to their problems is for them to reboot the fatheads. Um, Ed realizes that fans have power today, I think is what he says. And that loyal fans like Rocco will pay big money to see a rebooted Fatheads special that plays on their nostalgia. Which is, of course, like a parody of what is happening with the Rocco special itself. Which is, I think, pretty brilliant. It's There's a lot of not-subtle meta-commentary on modern-day fanboy culture here. Yeah, so uh, Rocco and Ed end up going to Conglomo and convincing the CEO of Conglomo that they need to reboot the Fatheads, and two strategies emerge from this. One is that Rocco, Filbert, and Hef are going to travel the world trying to find Ralph Bighead so that he can do a proper, respectful, quality reboot of the show. And Conglomo's plan is they put Ed in charge of a cheap, shitty cgi reboot of the show helmed by the chameleon brothers in an appearance when the chameleon brothers first appeared i laughed really hard like i should have seen it coming i did not see it coming and i felt stupid for not seeing it coming because it was absolutely obvious and there it's the best way to work them in a lot of the sort of like winks and nods in this are just lazily shoved in theirs is probably one of the most organic sort of re-entries into the series that happens I, I completely agree. They make a welcome appearance here. So while they're working on this obviously shitty reboot, like you said, Rocco and his friends end up traveling the entire globe searching for Ralph. Of course, as we know, Ralph was last seen making the world's largest still life out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I assumed he was in, like, the American Southwest or something. Yeah. The show sort of... Imp- I don't know. I guess they don't discourage that theory. When the guys were in the desert... I assumed it was like a foreign desert because they were traveling the whole world. But it's totally possible that they landed back in a desert inside the United States. Because the guys take a drone, because, you know, 21st century. They take a drone Uh, around uh. the world. It runs out of batteries and crashes in the desert. And they're all going to die until they discover... We get a pretty funny montage of them looking for Ralph. Featuring a bunch of... Featuring my favorite cameo of the episode... Which one? A reference so obscure that I'm not even going to say what it is because I don't want to ruin it. I, I marked out huge for for that particular reference. Like you said, they eventually find themselves in the desert, and they seemingly discover Ralph selling ice cream out of a truck. Yeah, an ice cream sh- truck shows up. It is selling fatheads-shaped ice cream pops in a very funny nod to all of the SpongeBob and Ninja Turtle and other licensed carrot pops that you can buy from those sorts of trucks and how none of them ever look good, like how shitty they are. Um, I feel like that's an unrealistic expectation to have of an ice cream pop. I, I completely agree, but I love the fact that like Rocco is tongue-in-cheek acknowledging this because I've been to the beach twice this year and I can tell you that the number one like company licensing their characters for these things is Nickelodeon. There were the Nickelodeon Ninja Turtles and Spongebob both at the ice cream truck that I patronized when I was on the beach and um, you know you just know those things look shitty so it's funny that they made a joke about that. But like you said they think that they are talking to Ralph Bighead trying to convince him to come back and reboot the show um it takes a little bit of convincing before he says that he'll even head back to o-town 
But what they didn't realize is Ralph has actually transitioned and is now identifying as Rachel Bighead. And if you heard anything about this episode or this special immediately prior to its release, it's this, the fact that it includes, you know, a, a trans character. Yeah. And we... Do we want to talk about that now, or do we want to save that for after the synopsis? The only thing that we really need to say is how it's handled in the show. You know, Ralph says that they haven't been home in years, and that they'll go home, but there's something that they're going to have to deal with. You know, uh, Ralph says, I haven't been home in so long, and a lot has changed since then. Gets out of the car, takes off his hat, reveals his, his more feminine hairstyle, and says... I'm not Ralph anymore, I'm Rachel. And the guys all look at her and they just go, that's great, congratulations. She says, I'm Rachel, big head, and I'm much happier now. And And it's implied that she's worried about what her family will think. Yeah, the whole reason that she addresses this with them is because she's like, hey, you know, like if we're going to go home and meet my parents, there's some stuff that they are going to need to know. Um, And she's concerned about this. Like it's a very brief moment, but she's concerned about her parents' reaction until the guys totally embrace it. They're like, this is great, congratulations. Let's go home. And she smiles and says, okay. This is sort of a larger theme that happens throughout the entirety of the episode. Ralph, specifically in a flashback earlier in the episode, says to Mr. and Mrs. Bighead, despite the success of the Fatheads and despite all of the money that I've made from it, I'm just not happy. And that was something that we'd seen in previous Ralph Bighead episodes was sort of this discontentment. And it had been painted before as though maybe that was because, like, artistic dissatisfaction. And what I really like about this episode is that it sort of implies that that was what Ralph thought, you know, like Ralph was portraying it as artistic dissatisfaction when in fact it was Rachel's dissatisfaction with having to be Ralph and that having pushed that old life away and become the thing that she wanted to be, now she can finally be happy. And that is the full arc of this character up to this point, which I think is just genuinely interesting and very well handled. So at this point... It's remarkable because... Because, like, you're right. You're exactly right. It's totally in line with what we've seen from Ralph in the original series. He's always this miserable asshole. It makes yeah. total sense that, like, maybe this was what he need or what, what Rachel needed to, you know, finally be okay with herself. And the characters who respond positively to it, that's exactly what they say. Is They all say, like, I'm sure she's much happier now. Like, these are people who recognized the dissatisfaction of their friend and see the positive change that has happened now that this person is able to identify the way they want to. And it's all handled incredibly naturally. Like, we are talking about it more than they do in the show, which is really remarkable. So all of that is resolved, and they are heading back home to sort of try and fix the problems that have occurred in O-Town. We cut back to Conglomo where the CEO is watching very terrible CGI fathead animation that is being, like, puppeted by the Chameleon Brothers, and it's very funny. It looks like VeggieTales. It, it looks like a really bad version of VeggieTales, yeah. It's got that same sort of, like, solid mass to the characters <laughs> that they shouldn't have. Yeah. Like, there's, there's something really terrible about them. And so the CEO asks Ed open a window and pushes the entire animation department out the window into a dumpster. Just in the nick of time, Rocco, Heifer, Filbert, and Rachel all return. Again, Rachel has agreed to come on board and do this, if only for the sake of saving her family. Uh, but when she meets Ed and, and kind of, and Ed realizes that 
his child has transitioned. He is, of course, horrified and disgusted and rejects her and walks away from the entire project. Yeah, the CEO was like, hey, you guys did it. You found the original creator. Like, the way that we planned to do things was obviously the wrong idea. The CEO even says, good job, Ed. You know, I I like your efficiency on this. So everything is going well up to this point, except for the fact that Ed can't cope with change. Of course, he's, you know, constantly a sort of a, a flawed character who refuses to accept the way that the lives of other people affect him. And so once again, everything is very in character here. And he just says, in sort of a callback to his old almost catchphrase, he shouts, I have no daughter. And then he quits Conglomo and goes home. Uh, At this point, Rachel says, you know what? My dad meant those things. This is not going to work. I'm going to leave. So by this point, everyone is at kind of a low point. Ed has no idea what he's going to do to save things. Rachel has been rejected. And Rocco is becoming increasingly desperate to get the fatheads special to make it happen yeah we get a pretty touching moment but not touching may not be the word but uh, a moment i enjoyed uh where ed is at home he's barricaded himself on the roof and just says explicitly he can't handle all of this change it's too much change at once rocco comes over and, and tries to console him and insists that like he can't just abandon his child Rocco talks about how he sympathizes with Ed in this moment. He's like, I know what you mean. Like, I'm dealing with a lot of change, too, and I don't like it either. Like, all of this change is tough. So Rocco and Ed are in a very similar place. The only difference is, like, neither of them really seems to care or accept the other person's problem. And neither of them are really figuring out how to grow past their problems. All they, all we know is that Rocco wants Ed to be able to grow and move forward. It's sort uh, of a nice moment where they can... Like, yes, they are on different pages in terms of their wants and needs, but, like, it's rare to see Rocco and Mr. Big Head in a a situation where they can kind of sympathize with each other to an extent. Yeah, yeah. It's, again, shockingly touching for this show to have such a character-driven, like, logical point for these characters to be at. And then, of course, uh, they change things up by having a character appear that we've never seen on this show before. <laughs> the only brand-new character in the yeah. show, if I'm not mistaken, and... I want to talk about that more at the end, but they are visited by a sentient cloud called the Winds of Change. The Winds of Change, who explains to them that the key to happiness is embracing change, and that they should embrace change. Neither of them really accept this, and in fact, the only reason they move on from this scene is because while all of this is happening, uh, Rachel is back at the ice cream truck. She looks at a picture of her family and has a flashback to when she was a baby, and bit her dad on the retina she realizes how much she loves her family and she basically ends up just having complicated feelings about all of this not like good feelings not resolved feelings but just complex feelings and she channels those into her art she creates a new fathead special that she completes in one night and delivers to conglomo so that they can do a premiere showing so while rocco seemingly in like an hour yeah yeah which is i mean that's sort of the joke about the fatheads is how shitty it is anyway. Um, while Rocco and Ed are trying to come to terms with things, Rocco gets a phone call, learns that the premiere is about to happen, and instead of taking the Windsor change advice or learning and growing, Rocco just kidnaps Ed and forces him to go watch this thing. So we're getting into kind of spoilery territory. I guess we should have issued that warning a few minutes ago, but like, if you don't want to know how this special 
if you don't want to, if you don't want to hear about the very very end of this special, maybe fast forward a few minutes right now. I only say that because we usually aren't reviewing stuff that's contemporary. <laughs> anyway, that's true. So, be warned. So, Rocco kidnaps Mr. Pickhead and goes to the premiere. It's attended by everyone in town. Mr. Dupet, the, the head character. of Conglomo, is presiding over this, and he's dressed like a Saudi prince for some reason. He looks like a sultan or something. Well, he doesn't initially. When he first introduces the special, does he? I think so. I, like, I think when we see him in this moment, he's he's dressed in these like elegant robes and like a... A headdress or something. The implication is that Conglamo is getting all of their money back thanks to this reboot of the Fatheads. And it's handled in a very funny, like, visual gag. The special right. premieres. It is immediately a huge hit. We see literal truckloads of money being driven into Conglamo as it's airing. Yeah, there's a counter showing, like, how many people are viewing it and how much money Conglamo is getting. Everyone is laughing and having a good time, including Rocco and all of his friends. Uh, the only person who isn't is is Ed, really. Until. Until. Until the Fathead special takes a turn and a new character is introduced, a baby Fathead. Everyone in the audience finds this hilarious except for Rocco, who is immediately disgusted and rejects it on principle for being too different from the original. Meanwhile, Ed is watching this happen and he sees the scene where the baby Fathead eats Mr. Fathead's entire head, and out of the hole where his neck should be, we hear Mr. Fathead say, Ah, oh, he ate my retina. Ed has a flashback to to Rachel's childhood. He sort of realizes it doesn't matter, like, who this person is. They're still my child. We still have this shared relationship, and I'm, I want them in my life. Um, Rachel, Bev, and Ed reunite in front of the screen where everything is being shown. They hug. Everyone cheers. The town is saved, and everything seems like it's great. Except for Rocco, who is furious at the changes made to the Fatheads, and tries to rally the town behind him, saying that it's too different. This time, it's Ed's turn to approach Rocco, and he gives a really... uh, Poignant? Yeah, a really poignant short little message to Rocco about how we can appreciate the past and we can enjoy it, but we can't live in it. And that is enough to convince Rocco that this is not worth getting upset over and he should just enjoy the Fathead special for what it is. Then we get one final twist in the episode as the rocket from the very beginning that had launched Rocco into space in the first place out of nowhere careens into the conglomo building launches the conglomo building and mr dupet into space and o-town is just left with mountains and mountains of gold and paper money just sitting to be taken and the people of o-town redistribute the corporate wealth in what my brother described as a very bernie sandersy ending (laughs) i actually don't like this ending it's a scene where like Everyone starts stealing money, and Rocco sort of says, like, isn't this a moral gray area? And the Chameleon Brothers, the only people who are sort of, like, coded as being foreign in the show, not so much in this special, but when I was growing up, I feel like I remember there being these implications that they were, like, not from America. Well, they came from originally. a land called Balzac, remember? Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, like, the only coded immigrants on the show are literally stealing the money, and Rocco is commenting on this as that some moral gray area. So, I really felt like this was sort of a, a strange way to end the episode. Yeah. With this indictment 
of redistribution of, of corporate greed. I didn't um, read it as an indictment, though. I think he I think it was an endorsement. <laughs> it, w- it would seem like it if the celebration hadn't gone questioned and if the immigrants specifically hadn't been called out for wheeling out a wheel- wheelbarrow of money. Like they're the only named characters that are doing it that I can think of. So I'm not totally sure that I'm sold on it, but it is a really funny, weird, bizarre twist. And that's just how it ends. We see Rachel, Ed, and Bev all leave O-Town together in the ice cream truck to start a new life together. We see Mr. Dupet and the Kaglama building just floating out in space, and Rocco is just left in this strange new world. Rocco's modern life theme song. Rocco's modern life theme song. I'm glad they used the closing theme, the classic closing theme and like graphics from the yeah. original series. Yeah. So, so that, that's it. So yeah, after three long years, we finally get Rocco's Modern Life Static Cling. There is a lot to process in this episode. Eli, let's, let's, let's say it like this, Eli. Let's talk about first, what did you like about this episode? I, I, I say episode. What did you like about this special? Um, I like that it exists at all. I thought that it was wonderful how much it stuck to the tone of the original show. The art feels the same, like the animation quality is improved, but it doesn't feel like they've changed the show. You could watch old episodes of Rocco and then watch this and it just feels like a slightly better episode. It just feels like a higher budget episode and not in a bad way, not in the way that like the Rugrats movie looked even grosser because there were shadows on all of their lumpy bodies. (laughs) It was just the smoother animation, better colors more stuff happening so i liked that part of it um it was funny it had the right tone it was again shockingly heartfelt there were specific jokes that i absolutely adored rocco is flipping through the television and it's making fun of modern television shows one of them is uh fat cats in tiny houses which is the most (laughs) distinctly current thing i can think of (laughs) i would watch that show who wouldn't <laughs> it's it's a fat cat which we are on record as loving and he's so fat and the house is so tiny that he's like he says i'm stuck <laughs> so i know like, we've painted the listener a, a vivid mental painting there but we yeah, encourage them to check it out you can you can uh things that aren't sort of like classic Rocco that I liked. I love the fact that this is a, a TV special and it has the we have the sa- we have to come together and save the town plot line. That feels like a very saved by the bell, like very vintage thing. I love how much this episode comments on nostalgia culture and people wanting to live in the past. Also people using pop culture to like escape the horrors of the modern world is really, really poignant in this episode. Um there's just I love the fact that Spunky orders a bunch of mops and watches mop porn on the Rocco's Modern Life equivalent of Pornhub. Uh, it's it's just so much. So yeah, in short, there are a ton of things I liked about this. I would echo all of those things. Yes, this looks and sounds and pretty much feels like the Rocco that you remember. It is like we said before. It is so densely packed with visual especially visual references like i think every single character in the history of the show appears at some point either as a background extra or in a minor role or something like it is a joy to go back and watch it over and over again and think oh my god there's that thing there's this thing i didn't realize they had snuck that thing in i noticed on second viewing other smaller things like like little audio cues and little like clever ways they play with the fat heads theme song the 
like I like um, that that's used as the the ice cream. They make an ice cream truck version of it, for example. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's a lot to enjoy here. For any point it tries to make about change and how nostalgia can kind of blind you to certain things, this is all about nostalgia. Mm -hmm. Like, they Mm -hmm. leaned very heavily into that. But the non-nostalgia jokes that are there, uh, there are a few genuinely clever jokes that don't rely on nostalgia and... Absolutely. And or, like, commentary on, on modern pop culture, and they're all hilarious. Yeah, like like I said, like the boards are us joke, like the tiny cats or fat cats in tiny houses. There's a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, when I watched this, Cheyenne was kind of in the room. I don't think she was a big Rocco fan growing up, but she was kind of in the room with me when I was watching it. And I asked her about it later, and she said, "Who was that for? Do you think?" And I said, "That's an us. interesting question because it's for fans of Rocco, like for, you know, adults who watched this when they were kids." But there are also a ton of jokes in it that are the exact same as the jokes that I liked as a kid. Like there's fart humor and there's slapstick humor. The joke where people keep falling from heights and then you think they're going to fall into a a like nondescript what does he say? Like nationally dis nationally indistinct ethnically ambiguous pillows. Yeah, you think they're gonna fall into ethnically ambiguous pillows and then they actually fall right next to them. You know, there are so many jokes that are just jokes. They're not Rocco jokes, and they're not pop culture jokes, and they're not nostalgia jokes. They're just, like, funny things uh, to the point where someone who had never seen Rocco but would have liked it can like it. And it goes without saying, I think we both appreciate the message of of the episode. Yeah, And absolutely. the fact that it's a very pro-trans message, a very pro-acceptance, progressive, like, obviously that is in line with our, you know, personal beliefs, and it's it's remarkable that that nickelodeon and everyone involved like would would commit to that and not make it a joke yeah you something that you know dj McHale talked about when we interviewed him and tons of articles have come out about it is what nickelodeon's brand and message was in the 90s and how nickelodeon made it okay to not be the mickey mouse club and nickelodeon made it okay to be dirty or messy or weird and to not be polished and perfect and more than anything Nickelodeon has done in the past 15, you know, 20 years, this feels like that. This feels like a message that celebrates people who are not, you know, the the sort of societal version of, of, of perfect or, or meeting some, some antiquated standard or ideal. And I really yeah. think that, that it's the most... That is maybe the most nostalgic part of this is how it feels like something that kids could watch and appreciate and relate to and know that it's transgressive and that there's a power in that. I think that's really cool. Here's the thing. I appreciate it so much. It's hard for me to want to be critical of it because the the good in this definitely outweighs the bad. It's very good. I enjoyed mm-hmm. this a lot. And because it has such a positive message, I don't want to like speak ill of it. But really quickly, let's. was there anything about the special that you were critical of in any way? Yes. Um, And these are not reasons to not watch the special. They're just things that stood out to me. Um, And, you know, maybe if they weren't there, I wouldn't have been so distracted. The first one is one that I think we're both going to agree on, and that's the heavy-handedness, or maybe not heavy-handed, but the directness of some of the old references. The most obvious one is the great big rotting pile of compost from the R-E-C-Y-C-L-E Recycle Musical episode of Rocco. the show does a great job of working all of O-Town into the background and making it memorable. But I also think that some of that stuff could have been done maybe a little bit more subtly or in a way that was more organic. 
um, the weird little flies trapped in a spider's web that keep going, hooray, in that one conglomo episode of Rocco yeah. make a random appearance that is very, very funny, but totally inorganic. And yeah. on its own, I don't think it's bad because they're, the whole point of those characters was to come out of nowhere and be random and, and non sequitur. But they sort of are a good illustration of the fact that that sort of stuff is happening. Um, yeah, I completely agree. Like we said, it is densely packed with references, but that is a double-edged sword because a lot of them feel very ham-fisted and kind of perfunctory. Yeah, unnecessary. Um, it, but the thing is, like, those the ones, the references that landed were probably the moments where I laughed the loudest. Like, when they mm-hmm. see the certain character on their Traveling the Word World montage, again, I... I dykus laughed really loudly. When I saw the flies, I dykus laughed really loudly. But I know that, like, I'm only laughing because I recognize it. It's that Family Guy style of, of humor where it's like, oh, that thing! I know yeah. what he's talking about. Yeah, it's the Ready Player One of comedy. Yeah. A lot of the joke. It's not just the, the Rocco references either. A lot of the observations about 21st century life kind of feel that way too i i'm on record i think as not being a huge fan of meta humor which this episode is full of meta humor and some of it works but i thought there were a few things that were a little bit clunky maybe a little obvious especially when they're talking about like modern animation mr dupet is going on about like we can make our own fatheads cartoon with the computers it's like yeah we fucking get it like you don't like modern animation nobody does I definitely think that those jokes were, yeah, and this is something we talked about a lot in Are You Afraid of the Dark when we were watching it. I think that those jokes are things that are maybe not for us. Those are jokes that if I was eight years old and I was watching this, I'd be like, wow, they're making fun of the other stuff that I watch. You know, uh, Elliot Kalin on the Flophouse talks a lot about how the first time he went and saw a movie that was bad, he, like, he, he just didn't know a movie could be bad up until a certain point. And he still remembers the moment that he discovered as a child, you could be critical of media in that way. Um, Similarly, I think that this show making fun of modern life is not something that cynical adults like us need. And we find it to be perfunctory. But if I was watching, you know, if I was watching this with my nieces and nephew, I think that they would like the jokes about how the iPhone or the O-Phone 9 comes out, and then the same day, the O-Phone 10 comes out, and everyone stampedes to get the new one, and how there's a buzz bucks on every corner, and how who knows what's inside of energy drinks, and they're probably wildly unhealthy. Like, those jokes are not for us, but I don't think that they were bad jokes, and I think that they are part of the episode walking that tightrope of being for its old audience and being for a new audience. And so with that in mind, even though I didn't laugh at them, I could appreciate their placement in the show. I, yeah, you may be right. I, I did not consider... I, it's funny that watching this, I never considered a younger audience watching this. Like, in my mind, this was made solely for people our age and older who grew up with this and who, like Rocco, desperately want something from their past, you know, the, the things from their childhood to come back and comfort them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, you gotta accept the winds of change, Dicus. Uh, like, I wish it had more just original, random jokes that weren't references to anything. Again, mm-hmm. those were all hilarious, but there's just mm-hmm. a lack of that. I just, there's a part of me that wishes, overall, it's very funny. I wish it had been, like, maybe 10% funnier. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that it's really easy to, to feel that way. Um, watching this after being deprived of new Rocco content for 20 years. But at the same time, I'm sure if we were to go back and watch 30 minutes of Rocco or an hour of Rocco, depending on the episodes, like it's not going to be 
laugh a minute. It's so easy to think of, of the show as being utterly hilarious when you take all of the best jokes from all of the best episodes. But again, this was a tightrope that they had to walk of being a special. So they have to be longer than the regular episode, but not being a new series where they get to spread all of their jokes out or have a lot of new ideas. Like there's a lot of complication in what was involved. And while I totally agree with you, it's one of those things where I just shrug my shoulders at it and go like, it's worth it because I got to see more Rocco and it was still good. I want to make one final point, one one final bit of discussion here. One thing I did like about this was that, yes, it had an obvious message, and that message is you have to accept change. Mm-hmm. Like, I think having a message at all is important. I think it does a lot to justify this special's existence. Mm-hmm. Because there have been plenty of 90s properties that have been brought back for no reason other than just as a transparent cash grab. You know, we mm-hmm. watched the Legends of the Hidden Temple movie which is a prime example of, like, we're just bringing this back because people remember the name. Yep. Even though we had a lot of fun watching that. Like, there's no reason for that to come back. In this case, it feels like Joe Murray and everyone involved had something to say. This genuinely feels like art to me in a way where it's like it is making a statement and it is expressing ideas about life and about culture and about change and about art. Uh, I, I deeply respect that. And I think that it, you know, it's one of those things where... So often you watch something and you really like it and you you want there to be more of it. And then the directors come out and say, like, yeah, if we can find a story that's worth telling, we'll do it. This feels like a story that was worth telling and then deserved to be told. And I think that that's really awesome. That being said, what did you think of the moral? I, I, I Moral may not be the word, but the message at the end of, like, you have to embrace change. Like, in context of the episode, it's obviously meant as a progressive message, and I agree with it. But I feel like... Removed from context, the message of the one of this special is one that could be used for good, or just as easily for good as it could for evil. Um, I can I, think of many changes in recent years that I wish hadn't happened, and I don't think the solution is to just embrace it. Right, but I think that most of the changes that have happened since the announcement of this special uh, have been a reaction to change. They've been a backlash. They've been people like ed and rocco fighting to stop things from progressing you know this feels like an indictment of the current situation our current situation feels like it exists because people didn't grow and accept change as they were supposed to um and i think that that's important you know when ed says you can appreciate the past and you can love it and learn from it but you can't live in it that if a person misses that part of the message they are ignoring the full the fullness of the message and i think that maybe that is a problem that can happen in society but i don't think that's the obligation or the responsibility or the fault of the episode it is interesting that i have spoken to a few people who were fans of rocco growing up who had who had a really negative response to this who rejected it and said oh well i don't watch rocco for a moral you know why does this have to have some kind of greater message to it. I just wanted to see it for the stupid jokes and stuff. And I realized that, like, they are actively resisting what the episode is trying to teach them. Yeah. It's hard and to they explain probably, to them the... They probably come from a place of privilege and comfort where the message, you know, like, they probably see themselves represented in television. And seeing a trans character, like, repair the relationship with their family doesn't directly relate to or impact them, so... No, you're absolutely right. Like, of course, they... It, the people that I talked to that felt that way are, you know, on the older end of the spectrum. And and it's kind of hard to make them understand, like, why this show should have a message and why it's important for them to listen to it. I just wonder if it's counterproductive to try and... 
not counterproductive. Again, I'm glad they did this, but like feudal. Yeah. You're trying to reach out to the people who are most likely to reject the message and not want to hear any sort of moral overall. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's responsible and brave of the of the creative team to say fuck that and just do it anyway. Like that is true. I, I will forever be grateful to them and Netflix and Nickelodeon for putting a cartoon on the air that kids are going to watch with their parents and it's going to tell the kids like this person is trans and it's okay and their parents were maybe wrong about it and that's not the kid's fault and i think that that's wonderful so yeah i mean i uh, for all our criticism here i know we spent a lot of time uh over analyzing it this is a great special you should go ahead and watch it right now on netflix yeah one uh, thing i want I... to talk about before we wrap up that i thought was interesting is there's only one new character introduced in the entire show that's the winds of change and the only thing i want to talk about about the winds of change and it'll be a very quick addendum to this is he looks totally different than the rest of the characters the art style is updated this is like what joe murray would do if he was creating a show from scratch and not trying to mimic his style from 20 years ago did you catch that no, I, I did not know. I thought he looked like a regular character. I mean, he's a cloud. I guess there aren't many other characters from the original series to compare him to. Rocco is really maybe good the about the little poots. <laughs> compare him to the little poots. Rocco has a lot of like really clean geometries to it. It's got a lot of clean lines in its character art. If you think about the first scene uh, of, of Rocco, like... Uh, from the opening of the television show where Rocco is in those bushes that are really jagged and the didgeridoo is playing, like the bushes are these really curved, like smooth lines. Rocco is very round. His body is very angular. This character looks like when Gabe from Penny Arcade went from doing really sort of geometric art to doing a lot more fluid sort of like Ren and Stimpy style characters with more organic lines and less clean geometries also the colors on the winds of change are different like he's painted in such a way that he feels more watercolory than the other characters who are more solid um i just want to say before the before we wrap up our discussion of it i thought that that was fantastic and i want to i hope netflix greenlights joe murray doing something new and different and making an original series because i love his art style and i love how it's evolved over the past 20 years I definitely hope this results in more of something, whether it's more... I, I mean, this is a pretty... This special kind of closes the book on Rocco, it feels like, but I agree. I would love to see where Joe Murray goes from here. I hope this gives him and his crew kind of a, a late career revival. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all that said, uh, I guess the only thing to do is to ask, Dykus, were you scared of this? Uh, well... <laughs> <laughs> I... I don't know. I'm going to... Uh, I mean, no, but, like, I will say that this episode talking about nostalgia and the dangers of obsessing over a show from 20 years ago, it hit a little close to home for me. <laughs> gotta say. <laughs> yeah, definitely, given that that's been our purview. Um, how does this make you feel about the upcoming Are You Afraid of the Dark reboot? There's an Are You Afraid of the Dark reboot? Oh, man, we got a lot of catching up to do, Dykes. Fuck. <laughs> I need you to get some YouTube. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. All right, Eli, I think this is as good a time as any to talk about what is going to happen over the next few months. Yeah, sometime this weekend, I'm hoping to see Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, and sometime in the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about that. That's right. In hopefully about two weeks, maybe a little sooner, maybe a little later, we'll see. We'll be back with another bonus episode where we are going to review the 
kind of horror anthology movie, but not really. Scary stories to tell in the dark. I have already seen it. Uh, got a lot of things to say about it. It is an interesting movie, to say the least. So look forward to that in just a few weeks. And then, shortly after that, in October... Yes, we will be reviewing the Are You Afraid of the Dark revival that is going to drop sometime in October of 2019. We'll be going through it episode by episode. I'm not sure how many episodes there are going to be. I'm told that it's only three. I could be wrong, though. But we'll be reviewing... However many there are, we're going to review the entire thing. We'll have a final Freddy's. That will see us through October of 2019. And then after that, Eli, I'm retiring from podcasting forever. Yeah, I mean... that For real this time. That closes out everything that we set out to do. When we said that they were doing the reboot, we joked that we would be coming back for it. And uh, we're going to do it. And once that's done, yeah, you are walking away from the mic. And I totally respect and appreciate all the time that you've put into this. Uh when we talked at the close of our uh, of our old podcast or the the old series very afraid of the dark uh, i said that i was working phase on phase 1 with, yeah when we when we, when we were talking about when we were closing out phase 1 of the of the Wysots cinematic universe i said that i was going to try and come back and do some other podcast stuff later and i still think that that's true but i'm definitely working on the format for that and figuring out what i want it to be um, so we've got a little while longer before i announce anything thank you all for your patience uh, while I'm thanking people, I just want to say thank you to everyone who is still active on the Facebook group. Uh, I handed the keys to that over to Bryce, friend of the show, a while back, and he's been moderating you, that. He posts good questions and good content. There's still some lively discussion happening there, which is wonderful. People still reach out to us and send messages of support and appreciation for the show, and they give us news, and I love all of that. I've kind of stepped back from doing as much on Facebook as I used to. I wanted to get rid of it entirely and wasn't able to for work purposes, but uh, I've been really grateful to Bryce and really grateful to everyone who has kept the campfire going for as long as they have. Um, Yeah. I just, I'm really appreciative that all of that is still happening. I'm sure I'll have more to say about that in the future. Uh, And I guess with that, well, let me just quickly say, uh, I also want to extend my thanks to everyone. Unlike Eli, I did go off social media. Mm-hmm. I am gone. Uh, aside from this podcast. So yeah, I, I have not witnessed all of the first-hand activity on, on the uh, social media accounts. But Eli has kept me kind of up to date on it. And I also want to thank Bryce and everyone who has, who has kept the memory of our show alive. Yeah. And been patient with us. How do we close this thing out again? Uh... <laughs> oh, yeah. Wuzzle wuzzle. With all of that said, oh. I hereby declare this episode of You Scared of This Static Cling closed. So, Eli, what stories for This Ain't Afraid of the Dark, a triple X parody, would you want to see? <laughs> You're really putting me on the spot. I feel like laughing in the dark doesn't need a title change, does it? There were a few when I was looking at the list of episodes that didn't need a title change. <laughs> Hit me with the highlight reel. I mean, Tale of the Midnight Ride was the best That's one. That's the best one, right? Midnight Madness is also very good. Tale of the Closet Keepers. Hmm. <laughs> we will have to, we'll have to come back and do a full list of these because we are children. Tale of Jake the Snake. <laughs> Tale of Jake and the Leprechaun. 
recording. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Who am I to judge? I'm not going to yuck anybody's and, yum. And of course, the tale of the night nurse. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.